Hello and welcome to the Beer Joke Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Luke. And we're here once again to uh, talk about beer, beer news, beer reviews, and everything that's good about going on in beer in New Zealand. And in the second half of the show, we've got an interview with our new friend, Electra Shock. Yeah, we've had uh, great fun brewing a beer with Electra yesterday. Yeah, so uh, Electra Shock, uh, you'll all know her as a, um, a really fantastic brewer, or you maybe you won't yet, because actually yesterday was her first ever beer. So the beer that we brewed with Electra was a, a collaboration between Small Gods and Electra. It's going to be a banana milkshake beer, and that's going to be a Hefeweizen. So quite a traditional German beer style that often is a bit banana-y anyway, but with extra banana, extra creaminess, lots of milkshake good times. And that's going to be kicking off with a banana party at the end of the month. So there's going to be more information. We'll share about that in the coming weeks. Um, and yeah, just, just cool collaborating with someone who is such a creative person in so many ways. Obviously, she's a, a fantastic dancer, performer, but she's all about the show. When we were kind of coming up with the concept for the beer and coming up with the concept for the event, it was really interesting alternate creative perspective that really informed some of the, the, the ways where we, we went about brewing this beer and, um, and making sure that who it's for. It's going to be delicious and approachable, but also interesting and traditional. It's going to be a, a re- really interesting experiment. We're trying to make a beer for everyone, but well, uh, we... All, <laughs> all, all beers for everyone. But we, we fear that it may be a beer that um, a lot of people hate because Kiwis aren't that into wheat beer. They're not. It's weird. And I think that there's definitely a preconception around wheat beer uh, in New Zealand that was fueled by stuff like Max Great White. Maybe, yeah. And it's weird. Um, there were, I think there were a few subpar wheat beers and people in New Zealand put wheat beer in this general big category of wheat beer when mm. it's actually a, in and of itself a really broad style you've got stuff like table beer and um, your light uh, your light Belgian styles you've got bigger thicker stuff like Hefeweizen that, um, mm. uh, that we're brewing with Electra um, yeah. and things and like a Berliner Weisse who's but, a wheat beer yeah and then you've got like an American wheat which if you gave it to most Kiwis, they probably couldn't tell the difference between that and an XPA. I think we spoke about in a previous podcast that uh, Paul Jones from Cloudwater, his famous Dipper series that kicked off all the hazy IPAs in Britain, came about from him being inspired by uh, Tap 5, Hopfenweiser, yeah. from uh, Schneiderweiser. So he just wanted to do a really big, cloudy, full-bodied, super hoppy beer, and that started a whole trend over there. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how the traditionalists like it as well, because... Well, they're going to hate it too, because it's destroying the Reinheitsgebot. We've had some feedback on some of our brews that uh, we've deliberately diverted from tradition on, that they're not traditional enough. Uh, so um, yeah, it's not definitely not traditional to put stuff like uh, lactose and bananas in your Hefeweizen to amp it up, and, but that's the kind of thing that's going on in craft beer and we're excited to see what you can do with pushing styles and pushing flavors and uh, innovating in those uh, otherwise traditional styles and areas. Okay, so Forbidden Fruit, uh, banana milkshake beer, is going to be hated by people that hate wheat beer, people that adhere to the Reinhardtsgebot, and homophobes. Yeah. But screw all those guys. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Especially the homophobes. Uh, yeah, screw homophobes. <laughs> if you don't like wheat beer, that's a life choice, and we respect that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, Beer Jerk is, that's us, it's our business. It's a shop on the internet. We serve all of New Zealand. And you might notice that we don't have adverts here on the podcast. And that's because, well, we're advertising ourselves. So um, if you haven't got the hint already, we'd love it if you, uh, if you shop with us. We have the most amazing selection of beers and other stuff. Just head to beerjet.co.nz. 
Yeah, we've uh, just expanded the range recently and uh, you've been uh, drinking some of the new stuff that we've got in this week. I have. I've been trying some alcohol-free beers. Yeah, so um, we've had uh, just got some beers in from two new uh, alcohol-free breweries, uh, Vanderstreek in Holland and Big Drop, who are making waves over in the UK but um, have really expanded aggressively um, with their alcohol-free range uh, by brewing in Australia and the States um, and around the world to kind of really push that alcohol-free agenda. Well, it's been interesting sampling these. I've, I've literally just tried these five alcohol-free beers, and that's the beauty of alcohol-free beers, I suppose, that you can, you can try five different ones at lunchtime and uh, not worry about getting drunk. But it, it's interesting ranging beers that are something that I, I personally wouldn't choose to buy. I don't see any reason personally to drink alcohol-free beers, but a lot of people do for a lot of good reasons. Yeah, well, um, I think there's a lot of, particularly in New Zealand, there's a lot of uh, FOMO if you're missing out on, on when, when your mates are drinking, but particularly in a city like Auckland, you've got to drive, so you're going to a barbecue. Yep. Like, there's no way you're going to smash back six beers and, and drive home, so feeling like you're part of it, it, it can be a huge uh, aspect to that. Dry July starts tomorrow. Um, yeah. Health reasons, there's so many reasons why it's great that people choose not to drink. And also the range of alcohol-free drinks available at most bars is rubbish. I've always thought it was kind of strange that an, a grown adult would choose to not drink alcohol in a bar and their choice will be Coke or Sprite. And that's so vastly different to drinking a glass of wine or a cocktail or a beer. So it is really awesome that more companies are actually seeing there's money to be made and there's an audience of people that choose not to drink booze or choose to drink less booze. The ones that we have just landed in the country, um, there's a pale ale, an IPA, a milk stout, um, as well as a, a lager, well, two IPAs that there. So it's offering a little more diversity than you get from just like, oh, what do you want? Um, this macro 0% um, bland thing. And, uh, and the beers are decent. It's, as I say, it's, it's hard for me to judge because I haven't really had Heineken Zero and I haven't really had Bitburger Drive and these other zero alcohol beers because it's not what I choose to drink. So I'm really excited to see how they go. The Milk Stout, was definitely my pick of them if I was going to drink one. Yeah, it has a little bit of smoke character in there, which um, I think as has been established on the podcast, isn't quite my thing. But um, I thought the IPA was pretty good. Yeah, well, the stout, it's, it's kind of a bit roasty. It's like almost a cold brew coffee vibe. It's different to a 6% milk stout, obviously. Um, but yeah, as I said, I'm, I'm keen to hear what people that are actually uh, teetotalers or people that choose to drink non-alcoholic beers think of them. So yep, they are brand new out. Yeah. and. Um, I've been drinking um, something a little bit older this week. Um, managed to get one of the last cases of Emporium Elbows Off uh, from uh, our buddy uh, Finney down in Kaikoura. And that's a beer that he brewed specifically for us um, for our advent calendar last year. So there's a tiny bit of it knocking around. And it is a table beer brewed with cardamom and coriander. And it is just this beautiful light Belgian pale ale. It's got this kind of delicate floral notes, but the, the cardamom and the coriander really pop out. Like all table beers, it's in that low two and a half, three-ish percent region, but still feels like you're drinking a proper beer. Um, and it's just this, yeah, really nice, refreshing style that isn't brewed enough in New Zealand. Yeah, table beer is fantastic. Well, I think as you've probably got the gist in this podcast, we're probably into historic styles, European styles, and we're just sipping a Weizenbock at the moment, which we'll get to shortly. I think us New Zealand beer drinkers definitely lean into hops 
I think that table beer particularly could become more of a thing if more people are made aware of it because a lot of them are hoppy. Like it's um, it's such a broad style actually. Those uh, in Belgium and in the UK um, that they're, they're hugely popular because you get a big bottle of it, you put it on the table, you can have some big glasses, it's low alcohol. But a lot of them are kind of some of them are heavily dry hopped, some of them more Belgium Belgian in style in style with that kind of yeast character coming through and you can even get dark table beers um, as well which means that yeah it's kind of its own little broad category that we, we don't really see over here and mm -hmm. I think could be really appealing to um, uh, Kiwi drinkers if they were exposed to it a bit more. Yeah just because you're drinking a 2% beer why should it be lacking in flavour? Exactly. There's so much you can do with table beers. The most successful table beer to come out of New Zealand that I'm ever aware of was the uh, Garage Project Four Legs Good that came out like two months ago. Yeah, it was um, it was a really nice beer, but I was a little upset by Four Legs Good mm. because it was a sour. And while, as I was saying earlier, table beer is a very broad style, which encompasses a lot, to me, it's not a sour style. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a light bodied, sessionable, um, approachable style. Well, 150 years ago, obviously, like yeah. all beers, it would have been fermented with bread and, and wild, wild yeast. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I, as someone who's been pushing my table beer agenda for a little while, um, having someone as influential as Garage Project come in with a sour interpretation of the style, which by itself isn't a problem, but when you're a table beer pushing uh, fanatic like me, I, I, I was hoping for a, a more, more traditional interpretation mm. just to, beca because Garage Project is so influential that their take on the style being the, the first major take on the style that's been put to market, I think will skew perceptions on what table beer is. And as someone who wants to brew a lot more table beer and stock a lot more table beer, it might not be entirely representative of uh, other examples that are going to come out. I think it's almost the same as going to a country that had that doesn't have a lager culture, they don't really exist in the world, but a country that doesn't have lagers and releasing a Baltic porter and calling it lager. Yeah, I mean, you're technically correct, um, yeah. but you, you, might, um, you, you might get some people a little confused along the way. And um, Four Legs Good obviously comes from Animal Farm, George Orwell. This week I spotted an article online, so I'll, I'll share it in the show notes about uh, an illustrated version of Animal Farm that's illustrated by the wonderful Ralph Steadman, which brings me to um, the book of the week, which is The Grapes of Ralph. Uh, if you don't know Ralph Steadman, you may have seen his work, especially if you visited England in the past 40 years. Um, so Ralph Steadman is a brilliant artist and his style is really it's sort of like pen and ink. It's really a bit like um, Quentin Blake that illustrates the Roald Dahl books. Yeah, there's a kind of um, a splashy kind of freehand vibe to it. Um, ink splots everywhere. Ink splots everywhere. In, in some areas, it's kind of almost watercolory. In some, it's kind of sketchy. In some, it's uh, a bit more uh, interpretive. Uh, but yeah, there's uh, the, the, it's very distinctive for sure. And so humorous. Rolf Steadman is the guy behind Oddbin's well, all of their arts, all the great posters that you see in the windows. So Oddbin's being one of the major chains of liquor stores in the UK. Yep, which was copied wholesale by Glengarry. Oh, just 
entirely. Yeah, the, it, it's so a bareface ripoff. Yeah, that Glengarry font is the the <laughs> Ralph the Ralph Steadman font, and like the whole ink spots and their, their design aesthetic is very much. Uh, and when you get the brochures and look at how they illustrate a bottle of wine, that's that's ripping off Ralph Steadman. And um, so this book, the, the Grapes of Ralph, is about his journey in the eighties and nineties, and he. It seems though he was almost like um, an artist in residence. Well, almost that's what he was. So he was just paid a salary by this, this wine retailer, an alcohol retailer, to travel around the world visiting different uh, wine producing regions and send back these beautiful, hilarious paintings depicting what was happening in wine in Chile and Australia. And, and it's a really quite a satirical commentary in his work. And they'd use this, and yeah, as I said, the posters and the windows and the mailers. So while I haven't been drinking wine this week, nor do I ever drink wine, basically, I often look to wine, and I feel like there's stuff that we can learn. And with this book, looking through uh, Ralph Steadman's career and history, specifically selling wine, it's kind of interesting the approach that Oddbins didn't have an advertising agency that they could have been paying endless money to to come up with crap campaigns, like the ones we see on billboards around Auckland, over beer, rubbish. Where you can actually pump all that money into paying a wonderful artist to just create cool stuff. And it's, it's kind of inspirational. If, if Beer Joke ever makes money, I'd, I'd love to uh, have an artist in our employ that's just going around drinking beers and... Well, it creates such a strong brand aesthetic. Like you said, the images that Ralph Steadman puts out are so synonymous with Oddbins and their look and their feel. It's genius. And, and Glengarry. Uh, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's... it's people put a lot of work into building the brand and how are you going to represent the brand but if you have one person creating real art mm. for, uh, for that company you are going to see that um, that recognition come through especially in the long term yeah so do check out Ralph Steadman I'm, I'm sure this book is out of print because I bought it for a dollar at a book fair but um, you'll find a lot of his work online look him up in the library and still on wine uh, I read an interesting article in the Times this week about the new trend in experimental wines happening up, I think it's mainly from California and uh, different uh, wineries in the States. Yeah, well, it seems it's going um, a few people pushing wine into almost more of a craft beer direction, which is nice to see uh, beer taking the lead and uh, a few uh, winemakers following. So that trend is literally chucking other fruits and flavors into your wine. And I think we've maybe mentioned this before about the, the difference between beer and wine, that it's, it's quite a new thing in the world of beer to, to have an IPA and think to put some grapefruit in it or to put some actual coffee in a stout. And yeah, I remember when I was you know, a big Real Ale fan 15 years ago and it started becoming a bit of a thing. And I, and I think I kind of looked down at the idea of putting, putting actual cacao nibs in a porter because the idea of a good pause, it brings to mind chocolate through how it's brewed and the, and the roasted malts in there. Yeah, whereas I'm very much from the opposite uh, school of thought. I, I'm all about the experimenting and pushing the boundaries of, okay, well, how do you amplify that? How do you take it to the next level? And I'm, I've never been particularly interested in the, the purest approach mm. where sort of, to wine or be it or to cooking to anything really i think uh tradition can be a bit of a ball and chain in in a, in a lot of ways what well, well there is a lot to learn from it in terms of um great technique and uh, and delicious things so i i'm all about all right how do you amplify that how do you take it to the next level how do you make it more interesting mm. and so it's really nice for me to see 
people like winemakers and brewers pushing the boundaries and experimenting with stuff because to me there's nothing sacred about malt hops yeast and water like yes those are great ingredients put them in um and they're the fundamentals of what beer is but no go wild uh chuck persimmons in there and chuck bananas in your milkshake <laughs> well yeah and obviously i'm of that school these days uh so yeah these articles are talking about uh drinks like pear blanc which is it's like Sauvignon Blanc and pear cider shared a motel room is how the vintner describes it and another winery talking about making a Moscato and adding blueberry yeah I would be quite interested to find out how they how they taste yeah definitely it's um I mean neither of us are wine guys but I'm always interested to see how people are pushing new flavors and hey, it might make it might be the thing that makes me like wine Oh, and stick them in a can with a cool label. There you go. will be sold. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> Recently, I was having a chat with uh, my good friend Jens, who's he's not a massive beer geek. He likes beer, but he's definitely not involved with the beer community at all. And I was telling him that recently we'd had a beer from Canyon as Beer of the Week, and it was the Pineapple Daiquiri. Yeah. And to me, I got a lot of pineapple from it. And, and actually, we are drinking it together. And, and I was telling Jens how a lot of people have been complaining, just saying that it should not say pineapple on the label who hasn't literally got pineapple in it and some people were saying they couldn't taste much pineapple in there because there was no pineapple in there the pineapple came from the hop profile yeah uh, and and Jens was just saying well a beer people just a bit basic because you'd never get that with wine you wouldn't have people talking about hints of gooseberries but it's but it's not obviously that beer people are basic it's it's just it's it is a difference whereas people people do literally chuck pineapple into a beer and it tastes super pineapple-y so I, I can get both sides I can see why people might be a bit annoyed yeah and but I can see that there, there are fruit wines out there so if, so if the label said gooseberry wine yeah like on the back of the label sure it says this Sauvignon Blanc has notes of gooseberry and uh, wild apricot but it's like if it says gooseberry wine you kind of it, it alters your expectation there well we've gone from wine back to table beers back to table beers <laughs> and home brewing yeah, so um, I think we're still on section one, which is what have we been drinking this week? Um, and uh, I was uh, talking about the Emporium table beer that got me so excited. And it got me uh, thinking about my homebrew. My recommendation for this week is John Palmer's How to Brew. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. It is the Bible that so many homebrewers uh, have learned from. Um, back when I started homebrewing, seven years ago um, whenever it was um, I, I, I picked up a copy um, and it taught me how to brew it breaks things down into simple sections it's got the fundamentals um, easily laid out in a here's your first brew day this is what you need to do mm. um, and then it's like okay you're stepping that up here's how you do that here's some more depth and science behind that thing but really well written really well explained and um, it's a uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic guide. Um, a lot of the book, um, I think there's some newer versions with some more content that you have to uh, buy the physical copy for. But a lot of the book's actually available for free on mm. howtobrew.com. So if you're thinking about um, starting up home brewing and you're wanting to see what it's all about and get an idea of how to do it, um, I'd recommend visiting there. But I was revisiting that book um, because inspired by Elbows Off, I've been looking at making a table beer at home. So uh, the idea that I've got there is I'm going to be hoping to brew a lime leaf and sriracha ace table beer so i've got um, some lime trees in my garden and they've got this just incredible floral citrus perfume aroma to them 
Um, and I've, I've used them a lot at home in cooking and curries and stuff like that. And it's not something I've ever seen used in a beer. So I've been experimenting with how can I get that flavor in a beer and um, playing with, okay, do I put it in the boil? Do I put it in the mash? Do I put it in, uh, fer in ferment? Then I was inspired by our brew of Reflection of Narcissus recently where we made some tinctures. So I'm planning on doing some experimental tinctures with um, soaking some lime, lime leaves in um, high-proof alcohol um, to um, extract that flavor um, uh, and pull it out. And then I thought that, flor that floral aspect would work really nice, uh, nicely with a table beer. And then uh, adding a bit of interest by dry hopping it with Sriracha Ace, which is a strange Japanese hop, which uh, in itself has these kind of mm. uh, herbal aromatic notes. Some a lot of people get dill from it, which is like, uh, it's very bizarre. But um, that is my weird experiment uh, that I'm planning with homebrew. And looking forward to drinking it. I'm looking forward to making it. So uh, we'll see when I have the time to actually do it with uh, <laughs> uh, two children under two in my house. But um, uh, hopefully I'll have a bit of time in the coming weeks to give it a crack. Brilliant. And giving beers a crack, we are currently drinking Beginner's Luck. Which is from. yet another Emporium beer. I think we're getting a lot of airtime air on our podcast. At the yeah, moment. hey, Finney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, probably the most chatted about brewery. Uh, not for any reason other than, well, Finney's a lovely guy, makes nice beers, but certainly there are hundreds of lovely beers and breweries all over New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, and it just so happens that at the time we launched, launched the podcast, we have two of uh, Finney's beers. Um, we, we, te we tend to go... Uh, double up on breweries um, in our uh, subscription, which is where these yep. beers of the week come from. So this is this week's beer. As Matt said, it's from Emporium. We're not interviewing Finney this week about this week's beer because we actually interviewed him a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah, so you can go back in time there and have a listen if you want to get uh, more information about the brewery and their escape rooms and mini golf course and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and what's happening down in Kaikoura. Uh, Beginner's Luck is a Weizenbock, so bringing us back to wheat beer. And... Um, We've just been drinking it while we've been chatting and I have just roused the yeast. That's quite an important thing when you're drinking a wheat beer or a lot of European styles, that they are bottle conditioned beers and they actually have the sediment in the bottom of the bottle. And many people have different approaches. Many hazy IPAs are like that now as well. Uh, you, you can uh, definitely see when you're, you're pouring one out, it'll start off pouring quite clear and then get thicker and thicker as you get down to the bottom of the can. Yeah, yeah, and I know some people that roll their cans of Haze Boys yep. beforehand so to get the consistency. But with a beer like this, it's, the beer is actually quite different whether you add the, uh, the sediment or not. So the best way to do it <laughs> is to have your bottle upright and gently pour 95% of the beer out into your glass in one long smooth pour and leave the sediment in the bottle. And ideally, you'll then pour the sediment into another little glass. And in some areas, the tradition is to drink that as a little shot. And it's just a nice health-giving little shot of um, uh, yeast remnants. Um, a lot of people insist on uh, rousing the yeast and pouring it into the wheat beer. That's the traditional German way. I think for you guys drinking at home, it's probably fun to try it both because the beer tastes different, clear, and then if you pour in the, the sediment, well, what I'd probably recommend there is <clears throat> rather, rather than pouring a 90% uh, pour um, to get the clear beer and then having the um, remnant on the side, um, my personal preference is I tend to, to pour about 60% of the beer mm. um, and then um, have that separately. And so rather than having that kind of thick, dense 
experience from, from that little bit of sediment, mm. um, having it a bit better integrated throughout the beer um, with, with a larger uh, proportion of the actual uh, stuff on the top. And I've just poured the yeast into our second glasses of this beer, and, it's, and it really changes the flavor of the experience. Yeah. Um, so uh, a Weizenbock is a dark wheat beer, so um, there's a little bit of uh, roast there normally, um, a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of um, uh, coffee coming through, uh, and a little bit of spice and banana. Um, mm. But when you added that uh, yeast at the bottom, that really amplified the chocolate flavor for me. It's yeah. kind of, the, percep the perceived sweetness went way up. Um, you get a real kind of um, silky, dark chocolatey thing going on with the, with, with the bottom of that. And kind of a, a little more of that kind of um, banana and spice as well. It's a really lovely dark wheat beer. It's kind of unique. Uh, the one negative to it is it doesn't have much head. And that is a bit of a classic thing with wheat beers that they have a, a big fluffy head. And for a German person, when a beer loses its head, they say the beer's dead and they go and get another beer from the bar. So that's the, that's the only negative thing I'd have to say. But yeah. other than that, it's delicious. Yeah, um, so uh, it's called Beginner's Luck because it was uh, Finney's wife's uh, first ever... Uh, first brew. recipe, yeah. First recipe, first brew. Came out uh, well. And uh, yeah, um, really nice. So I think, um, just to clarify, that was uh, her, her first recipe quite a long time ago. And it's, it's a rebrew of that because uh, Finney thought it was so delicious. Yeah, and, we, and there's not a lot of this around. I think we bought, if not all of the batch, then almost all of the batch. Yeah, so if, you haven't, if you're not a member and you haven't received it in your Beer of the Week box, there is a, a little bit left on the online store if you want um, a delicious kind of chocolate banana cake of a beer. In other news, uh, the Smith's IPA Challenge happened uh, again this week. It's an annual event uh, celebrating New Zealand hops IPAs. Mm. And Deep Creek, once again, uh, last year and this year, I believe it might be a three-peat actually, uh, taking home the People's Choice Award from that event. So. Um, and uh, first time winner, I think, in Good George. So um, excited to try those beers when they're a bit more readily available. Yeah, cool to see Good George stepping up. I think most people regard Good George as a brewery that mass produces really fine, but affordable beers. Yeah. They're beers for supermarkets, they're easy going, middle of the road beers. They're not at the bleeding edge of the stuff that gets us excited. Obviously, Good George have got fantastic brewers working there. They're yeah. very talented people. So, of course, they're capable of brewing a beer that can win big awards like this Smith's IPA Challenge. And it's nice to see brewers that people perhaps take for granted flex their muscles. Yeah, it is cool. Um, you, you see a few breweries like that who are just like, no, we know what we're doing. So, yeah, um, don't sleep on Good George. Of course, a very different business and brewery, but similar in a way is Liberty, who they're all about the core range, which is seriously incredible. And then when Joe decides to put out seasonal beer, which is not very often, we end up with the majesty of Prohibition Porter. Yeah, well, it was interesting. I was having a chat with Joe Wood a while ago, um, and he, he's got a very different approach from a lot of the brewers that we speak to, mm. um, because what he said to me was that he's exhausted by all this need for novelty. And what he's interested in is like, said, I just want to run a factory making great beer and I want to do it as well as possible. I'm not interested in changing it up. I'm not interested. I just want to make my product perfect. And boy, and does he. He does. He does that. Um, and, it's, and it's a very different approach from... Small gods. <laughs> from, 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 from small gods. From and we are all about the, you know, the, the freshness, the novelty. We're excited by new ideas. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very um, interesting and different approach. As, as Luke says, when he does release a seasonal beer... 
um, it blows the, blows the doors off a lot of the time. And uh, I'm really excited to try um, his Smith's IPA challenge uh, entry, which is dip hopped. Dip hopping is a new uh, brewing technique that has recently become popular, originating out of one of the major Japanese breweries. <sighs> Gonna get some, some technical brewing stuff now. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm just cracking up thinking about the people that might have tuned in to listen to Electroshock that maybe right. aren't beer fans. And they're having to bloody wade through all this chat about table beer and yeast and dip hopping. So thanks for sticking with us, guys. Um, <laughs> Electra will be coming up at some point. But back to uh, dip hopping technique. Yeah, so um, for those of you who know about um, uh, brewing technique, basically there are a few different ways, main ways that hops are added to beer. Um, they're added in the boil, they're at, which is at the beginning of the process where you extract the most bitterness. Um, they're added throughout, that uh, throughout the boiling. They're added uh, at the whirlpool, which is at the end of the, uh, the brewing process as the beer is cooling down, getting ready to uh, be transferred into a tank. Um, it's not boiled for as long, so you get more aromatic flavors and um, le less bitterness from, from that hop, those hops. And it's added as a dry hop, which is um, it's put in once the beer has finished fermenting or almost finished fermenting, um, and that gives you kind of the maximum aroma. So a lot of your big IPAs and your double dry hopped IPAs with that really punchy aroma that comes from the dry hop. So dip hopping is kind of in between a whirlpool hop and a dry hop. Um, and what they do is the hops are added to uh, the fermenter or another vessel and steeped, uh, much like you do a mash, they're steeped mm -hmm. at about 77 degrees. Um, and what that does is it allows for some of the uh, compounds in the hops to transform in a different way. Some of the volatile, volatile oils and, um, and stuff are not driven off in the boil, um, but they're also um, opened up a little by the heat. Uh, unlike the dry hop. So what happens is you get some uh, compounds that aren't normally activated um, by, by dry hopping or are driven off by the, by the heat and activity of the whirlpool that stay in the beer. So you're getting, um, uh, the, I think the compound they're talking, uh, talking quite a lot about is myrcene. Mm. So uh, myrcene is um, something that's uh, a really uh, grassy, um, aroma and a grassy compound that um, is often dri uh, driven off in the whirlpool. And when it's uh, dip hopped, those compounds aren't driven off in the whirlpool. So when it's transferred into the fermenter, those hops are staying in there and um, you get a different biotransformation process, which um, I believe creates a, a compound called citronellol, which is a really nice kind of citrusy um, uh, compound, which gives it kind of a lot of those citrus tropical flavors coming out. So there's been some uh, breweries over in the States, uh, Gigantic in particular, I, be I believe are pioneering it. Um, and Liberty have just uh, done it with their Smith's IPA uh, beer. And um, so it's the latest cutting edge technique and I can't wait to try some beers uh, produced that way and see what the actual results are. So is it a more efficient way to use the hops? Can you use fewer hops and get the same results? Well, I think one of the uh, most exciting things that uh, people are talking about is that you can actually use different varieties of hops hops for better impact. Mm. So um, I believe Nugget um, and uh, Apollo were two of the hops that were talked about, and they're not your Hype Hops, they're not your Citra Mosaic, no. uh, Simcoe, um, A-star a, a hop. Because of the way that the compounds within those hops are utilized, you actually get a very different character coming from them from dip hopping. Mm. So you can use cheaper hops to greater effect and you can get different characters than, you, than you're getting from your superstar hops. 
and which are, uh, are expensive and heavily used in the dry hop, um, but you're making those uh, hops which are often usually just used as bittering hops or to bulk out a hop load in kind of in, in the mid palate um, to actually really perform and deliver some banging flavors where they otherwise wouldn't be getting that, um, that kind of extraction. I might try a homebrew dip hop Fuggles Mild. There you go. It's all about pushing the boundaries, people. <laughs> so on to uh, new releases this week. We have our fresh IPA box coming back. Um, so this is a box that we release at the beginning of every month. It's got five different beers in it. You get two of each. And they are all IPAs that have been released within the last month. The fresh IPA box is amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Should. We should tell people about it. We should like... I am telling people about it. Stop interrupting. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Keep telling people how great the fresh IPA box is. Yeah, so um, one, of the big, one of the big deals with um, IPA is um, you, you want it fresh, you want, um, to, you want it stored cold, and you want to have, uh, have those beers uh, before they start degrading. So we pick out some of the best uh, and most exciting new releases from the last month. We cold ship them direct to your door, and you can try the best beers as fresh as possible. So this, this month we have uh, five different beers in there as always. We have Keraru Rhino Mite, which is their NZ IPA that they also brewed for the IPA challenge. Fantastic. Fantastic. We've got uh, Heyday uh, down in Wellington. They've released their Space Cat, which is a hazy IPA. Isthmus, uh, so that's the side project brewery of uh, Deep Creek head brewer Hamish Ward. Mm. Um, they've just released the uh, third beer, I believe, in their uh, cloud series of hazy IPAs called Cirrus. Um, Abandoned down in Wellington have released a fantastic West Coast IPA that I believe I, I talked about last week or the week before on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you're raving about it. Yep. It's, it's really great. Uh, just a, a nice new school, new school West Coast IPA. Um, and Castles, who I also talked about last week, um, have released their Nectar double IPA. So um, that's a, a rare seasonal from Castles. So all of those are in the fresh IPA box. Uh, you don't have to be a subscriber to get that box, um, but you do save a bunch of money by being a subscriber. So it is $89 um, to sign up and get that box of beers uh, delivered every month. Uh, and that includes delivery, uh, or you can uh, grab it on the website for $100. And it includes cold delivery, doesn't it? Incl yeah, it includes cold shipping on, uh, on, on the subscription, uh, or you can uh, buy it from the website and uh, upgrade to cold shipping if you want. And like all our subscription products, you can give them a go and you can cancel any time. We're not a damn gym or someone that's trying to trick you into things. Yeah. Um, but onto other new releases this week. Got uh, two new seasonals from Hop Federation down in Nelson. Mm. Uh, the Masariki Hazy, which is a 4.8% hazy IPA, and uh, countering that with a big classic Imperial Stout. That was lovely. Yeah, really nice. Had that yesterday. One thing that I'm really excited about is the uh, Cell Division and Peckham's collaboration. Yeah. Now, Cell it's, a, it's a graph, yeah. And now I don't know if you know about Cell Division, but I don't know if they are still laying claim to the title of New Zealand's smallest commercial brewery. Um, yeah, well, Jamie's taken a break for a while. He was due to go travelling for a couple of years. Sorry, Jamie, I shouldn't be laughing. Uh, when the coronavirus hit, so he, he is still in New Zealand. But I, I don't know that they've released anything commercially in the last year or so. Um, not a lot, and uh, what he does release is extremely limited. Um, mm. And every, every time I see him do something, I beg him for a bottle and... Uh, they're all, they're all gone. Yeah. Um, but he's specialist in uh, sour and wild fermentation. Uh, and he's partnered up with Peckham's, who are New Zealand's best cidery, hands down, as, yep. uh, as far as we're concerned. Absolutely. Um, and so they've released a graph, which is a blend of uh, wort and uh, cider apple must. 
What's it called? Mastin cider? I just call it apple juice. Yeah. I don't know. Um, not cider jerk. <laughs> so it, it's a blend of beer wort and uh, apple juice, uh, for, the, for want of a more technical term, <laughs> yeah. um, which has been um, heat, uh, heated on hot rocks in the, in the method of uh, a Stein beer that we've talked about in the past. At length. At length. <laughs> um, and so it is a 13% amber wild cider and beer co-ferment, which is um, really exciting, uh, both two absolutely top tier producers have put that out very limited we could only get our hands on one case and we've limited that to one can per customer mm. so uh, there's only a couple left so grab that while you can uh, eight wired have put out a new hazy ipa uh, nectron express uh, beautiful it's a really good hazy yeah probably the best hazy they've put out uh, yep. for my money so that's really great uh, derelict have put out a hazy as well mega fog, fog factory so that's a double version of their fog factory hazy again very small batch not many bottles of that uh, boneface have brought back their mocha milk stout ace of spades and uh, Brothers Brewery have uh, released a pair of IPAs, one East Coast and one West Coast, called East versus West. So um, those two are going up head to head, both hopped with Sabro, so interesting divisive hop in those. That East Coast is the best hazy Brothers have released that, that I've tried at least. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think it, it might be. Uh, if you're not a fan of Sabro, it might be a bit divisive, but um, mm. yeah, it's uh, definitely, it's got all the body, it's got the mouthfeel, it's um, uh, yeah, bright and uh, aromatic, it's, it's good beer. Mm. Um, and then two more from uh, Juicehead, little guys from down in Wellington, a um, bunch of former malt house employees. So they've released uh, Cyclone, which is a New Zealand double IPA at 9.5%, nine and a re-release of what was formerly called Cascade Chaos, but now they've just renamed Chaos, which oh. is uh, an India stout, which was at once a beer jet beer of the week. Yeah, yeah, black IPA vibe. That was lovely. It would be nice to try the new batch. Yeah. Um, so that, those are the new releases that we've got in package this week. But the really exciting thing that we've got going on, which is also loaded with new releases, is Jabs. Jabs! Jabs! <laughs> uh, Jabs is going to be an amazing mini beer festival right here at the Fridge and Flagon in the middle of Auckland. No relation whatsoever to Gabs, the Great Australian Beer Spectacular, which, um, which sadly has been postponed uh, due to coronavirus, shipping delays, not being able to get staff over here. Yeah, all sorts of I don't know if it's affected by the, the showgrounds have just liquidated. I don't know if that might affect things. Yeah, because uh, it was supposed to be held there. So there's been all sorts of issues that uh, Gabs have had this year, but. Well, I hope Gabs happens. So hopefully it will, it will happen in a month or two. So we'll be watching closely. Yeah, but in the meantime, um, there are, we saw that there were a bunch of people who were going, what am I going to do in Auckland that weekend? And so we decided to put something on to try and fill that hole. So we've lined up 12 incredible beers from 12 different breweries. Um, almost all of them are either brand new uh, launches, so they've never been poured anywhere, or Auckland exclusives or Beer Jack exclusives. So it's a really great lineup of stuff that you, if you live in Auckland, you will not have tried before. We've got an awesome food truck coming down, Baby G Burger, the Urbanaut Party Gang are gonna be uh, DJing and yeah, we're going to have a bunch of brewer mates and we've got beers from Parrot Dog, McLeod's. Find all the details online, but that's going to be here at the Fridge and Flagon this Saturday from midday yeah. until close. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, so check out the event on Facebook or our social media channels uh, to find out more information about those. We're also launching a beer on Friday night, which is the Triple Pepper Triple that we brewed with Whistling Sisters uh, down in Wellington. So that's uh, our latest Small Gods collaboration to be uh, coming out, so you can check that out really excited we haven't tried it yet it's going to arrive in our warehouse later today so that is going to come up as a beer of the week and we're we're pairing it with pies on friday yeah i think we've got some uh, pepper steak pies coming in to pair with the triple pepper triple 
So it'll be, if you like pepper, it's the place to be. And if you like pies, you're going to enjoy July. We're beer going to have July. beer and pie July. So our awesome venue manager, Rose, has got a whole bunch of interesting beer pie combos lined up for the whole month. Yes, that's going to be fantastic. But in the meantime, uh, if you want to find out more about Beer Jerk, as always, you can find us at beerjerk.co.nz, um, at the Beer Jerk on Facebook or Beer Jerk NZ on Instagram. And you can join us in our members group by searching Facebook for NZ Beer Jerks. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's about it from, uh, from me and Matt. So let's move on to uh, me and Electra. And I'll see you next week. Hello, Electra, and welcome to the Beer Jack Podcast. Hi, Luke. How are you? It's good to be here. <laughs> it's, it's good to be here, too. Uh, really excited to hear about your experience as a first-time brewer. We're here at the brewery today. Yeah. We're brewing a collaboration beer between Small Gods Brewing and Electra Shock. It's very exciting and very new for me, and probably new for you as well. You know, it's a, we both sort of met through some interesting, exciting new circumstances, but I think we've bonded over like the experience of beer and the experience of, I, I obviously don't have the knowledge of making beer or what goes into making a beer that you do, but one thing we definitely have bonded over is experience and how beer influences a greater conversation. And that's what I think has been excited about working with you and excited about being here today. Well, I think beer can be such such an experience for people it's not just about the liquid it's about the story about the packaging about the history and with small gods um until recently we've we've collaborated with friends that own breweries so we've only been able to collaborate with people at their breweries and then recently of course we discovered contract brewing and and that's opened up a lot of doors and i've been chatting with matt about who who we could collaborate with yeah. So now we can collaborate with musicians, dancers, artists, chefs, yeah, and drag queens. People who love beer and are interested in beer, but don't have the know-how. Because also that's beautiful because you're sharing your skill set and the things that you've worked so hard on. And you know, I've worked super hard in my life to become a fantastic drag queen. And I can share that knowledge with you and you can apply that to your skill set how, however you can, you know, and take it wherever. But I'll take the knowledge that you have and apply it to my stuff. Like the, my, the things that I've learned from you over the past couple of weeks, I can apply to like chatting to guys in a bar. Okay. Like if I'm working at all these, I work at venues all around the country and different pubs and things like that. I can now go to this bar and say, oh yeah, it's a, you know, I'm telling this blah, 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 it's, oh, it's a Hefeweizen. It's, oh, it's a Hefeweizen. Oh, it comes from Germany. It's bananas and the yeast. And, you know, it's the, it's, it's the sharing of knowledge at the end of the day. We're all humans on a big rock floating towards death. And um, yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Knowledge. <laughs> well, collaboration is really one of my favourite things, and mm. it was just such a, a fortunate circumstance where we met. Uh, so, so if you're listening, um, I was. Um, I hope people are listening. That's the whole point of the podcast. Is, 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 <laughs> if you're listening, we're not watching. Is anyone listening? <laughs> oh, I hope people are. They uh, are. So, all of you listeners, all you millions of people tuning in. Yeah. Um, I met Electra a few weeks ago. I was just. I'd been drinking at the Fridge and Flagon uh, with a couple of friends and my friend Carlos suggested that we carry on drinking on K Road. So we hit a couple of bars there and before I knew it, it was probably three or four in the morning. It was, yeah, definitely three or four in the morning because um, I'd already performed my 1.30am show. It was a fucking incredible show. Yeah. Thank you. And find myself in this, um, this basement on K Road in yeah. a venue called GAY and pretty pissed. I probably wasn't drinking beer. I was probably drinking gin and tonic. I was drunk. I know I was drunk, but very excited when we started talking about like making beer together. 
but also like it was just a drunk fever dream as well. I woke up the next day being like, I have to find this guy. <laughs> Did that happen? And yeah, so suddenly I, I found myself having a conversation, but straining my neck to look up. <laughs> at this most beautiful Amazonian woman with, with perfect makeup mm, thank and you. hair. Thank you. Stop and, keep going. And, <laughs> and you were saying, uh, yes, Luke, I'd, I'd love to brew a beer yeah. with you. That, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that I've always wanted to do. And, and, and because it's probably so unusual for a drag queen to do it as well. You know, I, I, I like beer. Mm. And I don't know if that's unusual as a gay person or not. It's not unusual as a gay person. But um, a lot of my other friends that are drag queens drink vodka sodas. And, they, you know, it's, it's easy to drink in the club as well. It's clean and it's light and it's, you know, keeps your energy up and things like that. I love a beer. Mm. Especially in summer, I love a beer. I know it would be like, and as it's developed more in New Zealand, I've really enjoyed getting to know craft beers more, you know, and and to find out what you know an IPA is or a hazy IPA is, and like, and it is a different palette. It's a different thing. It's not something that you can drink all night in a club. Sometimes some of them are, but some of them aren't. And I think that's just this. There's a world there that I think my queer world, anyway, hasn't stepped into yet. Like, there's a bunch of drag queens that I know who don't drink beer. Mm. And I think they can. I think they can because it's, it's yum and it's cool and it's exciting and it's different and it's new and there's new flavors and it's new stuff to try. It's also a whole new market. Do you know what I mean? I mean we've spoken a little bit about, like, there's a whole queer market that craft beer has just not popped into yet. Mm, the pink pound. Yeah, 100%. Like, the pink dollar is there and it's fabulous. And it's not about taking advantage of of the queer community and the and that sort of stuff, but it's 100% about introducing them to stuff. Like we want, we want to be welcomed into every aspect of this world, and it's what the queer community has fought for over and over and over again. And this is not a fight, it's not been forceful to try and get in your pants, but I'm here, you know? And it's like, I was just saying downstairs to Maria, who is the, the you know, production manager here, or where we're brewing the beer, um, have you had many drag queens walk through here and learn about this stuff? No. Do you know what I mean? And because mm. why would you? You know, it's not the most... There is a generic feeling around beer that is masculine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And drag, in its very essence, fucks with that. It messes with that whole gender-conforming, like, thing. And that's what people love to watch on stage, is that twist and that gender fuck. The idea that a drag queen can make a beer and break down some of that masculine energy surrounding it is very exciting to me. And that's sort of, that's sort of quite, that's work I could also be proud of, as well as making a cool beer that I like to drink, that me and my mates can drink, that I think people will get to enjoy and experiment with. You're, we're really doing something that is, and you're doing something as well, by being a straight man with a beer company, you know what I mean? And welcoming me into your world, that is gonna make a difference with people. Like people will literally be like, oh, I can feel safe in his space. I can feel safe in that space. I can walk into this pub and not be like told, oh, that's not for you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, go have a vodka soda, go have a gin and tonic. I don't want a gin and tonic. I want a hazy IPA. I want a banana milkshake Hefeweizen. I think these days so many people want to be more inclusive. Hmm. But they, and, and thank God that all that bullshit advertising is long behind us. Mm. The Tui girls, all that oh, yeah. fucking bullshit spate southern man. Yeah. Well, it's Horrible. all stuff that 100%. And it's not, I, I don't think it's all bad. It's not that it's all bad, but it's the influence it has on some people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, I'm sure when everyone was going around saying, oh, that's gay, 
Yeah. It wasn't hurting everyone, no, but it was hurting a group of people mm. who are gay. You know, it, it's you, some things you just can't do because it hurts a small group of people and it's just stop it. Stop it. You don't need to do it. There are other options. There are other words. There are other ways of advertising. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's anything you can change in your behavior that means that people don't feel excluded and hurt, then exactly, just do it. Can do it. Yeah. yeah I, I suppose the essence of a drag queen is a a man who's performing an exaggerated um, role of a woman, and with yeah. stereotypes and preconceptions, yeah. women don't drink beer. Yeah. So I, yeah. I guess that is why drag queens want to act, like air quotes, feminine. Feminine, yeah, yeah. And in wrong stereotypical ways of thinking, yeah. people associate girly girls with drinking pink wine and cocktails. I was saying, exactly. And we want to be feminine. We want to have that feminine look to what we're drinking, you know, the pink sparkly cocktails and stuff like that. But as drag, drag came into the mainstream as exactly that. Men who dress as women, and that was this sort of palatable comedic sort of piss take that was acceptable. Mm. Drag now is developed again. Anyone can do drag now. Women do drag yeah. and they've they've had different names for it over like the time, you know, but like uh, women can do drag, anyone can do drag, trans women do drag. Everyone does drag now. Drag is also not just the blonde Amazonian bombshell thing anymore. That's what I do, it's what I enjoy, it's what RuPaul does, it's what he enjoys. But there's also this sort of like there's a well, gender fuck, there are club kids, there is this sort of dark underground, sort of like gothic, scary, you know, sort of drag. There is um, drag kings, you know what I mean? You have alien drag, you know, it's, it's sort of developed through it. And I just think the idea of what a drag queen has to be can also develop now. Why mm. can't a drag queen have a beer? Yeah. Maybe that beer needs to be made a little sweeter. Maybe it needs to have a little bit of a banana flavor to it. Maybe it needs to have a straw so that it doesn't fuck up my lipstick when I'm working in the evening. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? But someone has to make that. Someone has to go out of the way to do that. Um, and here we are. <laughs> so this podcast, hopefully there's a few brewers that might be listening and business owners mm. or people that run venues. And, and it's definitely a thing that I've thought of in the past. I've thought, well, I, I, I want my business to be inclusive and I want everyone to feel welcome. Yeah. But how yeah and, and and i'm sure there are many brewers around the country that are like well i th they might not know many gay people yep. uh they certainly won't know a drag queen i mean to that you 100 percent know someone <laughs> they might not have told you they're gay you 100 percent know someone that's gay <laughs> but you're right and i think i think the and i don't there is not one answer to all of it and i certainly mm. don't speak for everyone but I think just asking, like, and if you're asking out of respect and you're asking because you're genuinely curious and want to learn, you'll, you'll be very rare to say the wrong thing. Mm. And if you say the wrong thing, be open to being called out and corrected and say, thank you, I won't say that again. You know, like, that's all it is. Because if you find someone that is willing to sit down and talk with you, they will give you the world and the knowledge because we, we want the world and the knowledge. You know, it, it's, it's, it goes both ways. Um, I think... I think just have making space also. So like you being like, yeah, come in, we'll collaborate. We'll just figure it out. We came in and we tried a whole bunch of beers and you shared some knowledge with me and then I spoke some ridiculous, crazy ideas and we talked about outfits. You know, we went off on 100 different tangents, 
but I was welcomed and I was felt safe in that, you know. I spoke to you a little bit before about I, Beer Jerk, who is the most amazing um, beer range I've seen in the country. Cheers. It is. It is. It's like it's such a great space to come to like to educate yourself on beer. Like that was what that whole that day was for us together. I was so educated and the way that you were able to pull from this huge collection that you have there mm. to give me such a wide range of beers again to try and 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 figure out and what figure we were out make and yeah and compare and to be able to understand the different levels of everything. Um I think having a space like that be made really, really open because really your place is a, it's a, it's a school, it's a space mm. of learning. Like there's opportunity there, and so to make queer people feel overly welcome, and it's not that they weren't welcome, but it's making I think people feel overly welcome. And I think there's you've spoke about it. You spoke about it a little bit about you didn't want to come across like you were, you know, going for the pink dollar or you know taking advantage of a community. It's not taking advantage of a community. You're literally just making a safe space. Hmm. It's like you're literally just doing a good thing. And that's the thing now we've got so worried about cancel culture and so worried about, you know, what we can and can't say is that you're even too scared to do the good thing now. Which is just open your door and go, do you want to come in? Like you're more than welcome to come here if that guy down the road is like trying to bottle you and that bar down there calls you a F word when you walk in the door. Hmm. How many times would be here? Because we won't. I think it is about... It's about authenticity, mm. and, and and yet, of course, there are companies that get slated. If it's I don't know, a, a bank or a soft drink company that yeah. puts a damn rainbow on their branding, and it's just so fake. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I suppose that's what what we can all do because well, everyone's welcome. Yeah. It's 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 not it's just simply not relevant how people identify. I think it should be yeah. you know recognised and appreciated that everyone's different. Yeah. Which is great. Give but, everyone a little moment in the spotlight. Yeah, but of, of course we can be friends and we can be business partners because I've got we've got no intention of having a well, sexual also, relationship. Like, with you as well. You told me about you doing beer, and I said I want to do a beer, and you said, "Well, come on then." Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like you sought out this. You know, it was it was very much like I want to do this, and you just made space, which is exactly anyone's. In most situations with um, queer minority groups and things like that, they're asking for space. They're asking for opportunity. They're asking for a room to just to just be themselves. We have the skill sets. We've been doing it forever. Do you know what I mean? But we've been doing it in a place that is looked down upon. Do you know what I mean? And as like, and I speak from also a place of privilege because I am a white gay man. Do you know what I mean? I I've got the best of half of it. Do you know, what I, mean? I am mm. not trans. I am not POC. Like there is a lot that people are fighting against more that I don't have to deal with. Um, but it is baby steps. Do you know what I mean? Like me, we're going to have a big launch party for this beer that we're making. Banana party. There are going to be so many, yeah, it's going to be a banana party. And it's going to, <laughs> the, the innuendos are right themselves. <laughs> but that party, I'm, more, I'm so excited for you to see your space turned into a space that is, there are going to be so many queer people there. Half of them will probably never try beer before. Do you know what I mean? And probably be like, mm. but like I just, I'm just excited to see how the world's crash. It's going to be awesome. It'll be beautiful. It'll be 100% beautiful. Like this relationship between us is just like exciting and new and we're always growing and learning and having no ideas and talking about, oh, what can make this be next? Or let's try this, you know? Um, I just think out of that one party, you're going to get so much, so many ideas and so many trying to do new things and you're going to have drag kids come up to me like, oh, can I have a party here? I just think it's a, a beautiful thing. 
Well, one of the things that you mentioned to me that is something I've, I just honestly hadn't really considered or thought of was um, the first time you came to the Fridge and Flagon. So mm. before we'd even met, you were, you'd read about a, uh, the referendum beer. Yes. But you, and, you, and you looked it up online where you could yeah. find it and you, you came to buy something from the Fridge and Flagon. I did. I did. And, and so yeah, me and my mate, my mate Ben, um, he was straight and you know, he's literally a straight rugby boy. Like very much the polar opposite of me. I am a gay drag queen, and we just met through dancing and that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, we we found this beer. We wanted to drink it together, and so I thought, oh, it's in Mount Eden. It wasn't far from where I was living at the time. I'll go in and pick it up. And straight away, you just sort of went. I went. I knew I was fine to walk in there. I'm a six foot two man and I, I, and I can come across not very effeminate at times. So like I, I'm confident to walk into a pub or wherever I need to walk into. But you do as a gay person and as a queer person, I think instinctively, when you're walking into places that are masculine and dominated, you just err on the side of caution always. Mm. It might not be the person behind the bar, but you, might, you don't know what old boy is sitting in the corner with his bigoted views, he mm. might see your rainbow flag on your t-shirt and go, faggot. Do you know what I mean? And, it, mm. and it's just, and that's enough to then ruin your day. You know, you just, so you avoid spaces like that. Yeah. You know, like rugby matches or things that, that where, the, where those over-masculine, all those old two ads, all that stuff that is in, so ingrained in masculine culture still affects queer culture the way that it did, you know? So we're lucky in New Zealand that we are so forward thinking and that we're moving quite fast compared to the rest of the world but it's still there. Mm. There are still straight people who will be offended if a gay guy came up to them and went, oh, hey, can I buy you a drink? Mm. I'm to buy you a drink. You're more than happy to go slap a girl's ass in the club and she's a bit tipsy and give her another shot. Yeah. But a gay guy can't up to you and go, can I buy you a drink without being like, I'm not gay. Like, oh, shit, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the gays, but I just don't want them to, you know, hit on me. It's like, you're fucking lucky if I'd hit on you, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. so there's still that element that people are okay with it but over there like you're okay with it but it's separate you know i'm okay with it but i don't want my kid to be gay <laughs> and do you know what i mean and i like hey when i was young like if i if years ago and I'm, i don't get years ago if i had a kid i wouldn't want to be gay either because it was a shit world to live in mm. i get it when i came out my mom and i cried and she told me years later that she wasn't okay with it straight away not because i was gay but because she was terrified for me because she knew how her friends spoke about gay people. She knew that how the kid that she went to high school with who was gay was treated. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, that again has another layer to it. You know, there's, there's, there's so many layers to being queer, unfortunately, that there just shouldn't be because the world wasn't set up for us. It was set up for straight people. It's, it's changing. And totally it's changing, totally. And it is, you know, from now, it's, there's still a long way to go, but just looking back, mm. Uh, just something like as you said you know when you're a school kid calling your friend gay or just saying a, a situation yeah. is gay it, well, it wasn't gay it was, no, it was lame <laughs> it's tough. and and i think about um when i joined the royal air force mm. in uh that was 2001 so um when i joined up i was 17 and i uh i had to sign a piece of paper and pledge allegiance to my country and to the queen mm. and it had a, a few things that I had to agree to and number four on here, on, on the piece of paper, said, I hereby declare that I'm not a homosexual and I've never engaged in homosexual activities. What else are you going to do when you're a bunch of men on aeroplanes without women? 
Give them something to do, Jesus. But that line, <laughs> that, that section, there was a single pen stroke through it because a year before, right. gays had been allowed into the military. Right. They hadn't gone to the effort of changing the paperwork. Oh. So thinking if I was a gay person or anywhere on the rainbow yeah. spectrum, I would not feel very welcome. And of course, all my time throughout the military, mm. there was, you know, it's we allow gays in the military, but it's not mandatory. And probably my best friend, John, was a closeted gay guy. Mm. And we'd go out drinking in Belfast together and, you know, he'd end up going home with guys occasionally. Yeah. And um, and it was just something that he definitely did not feel comfortable talking about because yeah. as much as it was legal to be gay in the military and, you know, 17-year-olds like me were accepting of it. Yeah. Well, the 40-year-olds were not fucking no. accept- accepting of it. Yeah. Just almost like any change, it takes, and it does take time for people to get used to it and get not. But like, it sucks because then that time that people are getting used to it and it becoming normalized, people are getting beat up for it. People are getting killed for it. People are killing themselves because of it. You know, so it's, mm. it's a, it's a journey that unfortunately probably has to happen slowly because we're humans and that's the thing. But it's a journey that should happen instantly, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's you know, I, it's sort of quite funny now because. I watch, you know, you watch TikTok and you watch Instagram and there was a TikTok I saw the other day and it was this just young, these two young boys, they must have been like 19, 20 and they were just like, it was like a little vlog of their day and they were skipping down the road holding hands and it was just like, it made me kind of, I teared up and I'm, I, I have become, quite, as I've got older, I've become quite an emotional person and I was watching it thinking, that's amazing, I'm so happy that, you know, at 19, 20, you can just do that. Mm. But also I'm so angry and jealous that that was taken from me. Yeah. By whatever, by the world, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I hate that when I was 17, I didn't have the confidence or feel safe to date a guy, date a boy. People, like some, you know, some people are married to their high school sweethearts. I never got that. I mm. never had a chance of that because I was gay. So easy. That's what I mean, but it was. And you, or you meet a girl in high school, or you meet a girl. I never got that mm. because I was gay. Because the world took that away. So it's, it's incredibly... It, and, and, and I grew up in a time where, you know, I've seen change. Imagine living before, you know, before I was born, you know, like... A- anyone that's come before Anyone me. before me has had it worse than me, do you know what I mean? If it's, if it's slowly getting better, um, I just think that like there's a trauma that all queer people just carry with them, even if we don't quite realize it. That's interesting. It it just it does affect everything. It affects how I interact with a new person. It affects how I interact with skins, who's you know helping us brew the beer today. You know, and it's like, mm. oh, this is a new guy. Hey, you know, like you do, you change your behavior lightly, and then slow, you would have seen me today. Slowly, I started talking about Dolly, and then I started talking about how I'm gay. You know, I talk about drag more. You know, you do, you get comfortable, and you feel you're in a safe space. Mm. But you do have to just you assess, you wake yeah. people up. Yeah, so. and and everyone could could find something they can compare it to. You know, if you work, you know, maybe you're a, a guy who works in an office most of the time. If you were to walk into a factory full of welding equipment and spark, you might feel that same mm. sort of like, oh, I don't want to touch anything. I better be careful or say the wrong thing or say, you know. There is something you can compare it to. Yep. And that's what queer people live with, but just, I think. All the time. All the time, yep. and, and unfortunately. And, um, and some more than others. It's, everyone is totally individual on their own little journey. But um, for me, that was my experience around 
entering the world of beer and craft beer. But um, I've been very lucky to have people with me that have helped that make that journey easier. My best friend Ben, and now you. Do you know what I mean? Like helping me introduce to this world that hopefully we can make a change in. And as well as taking craft beer to you know this whole queer world that I want to introduce to, to people to, I hope that we're introducing the queer world and the drag world to a whole bunch of people as well. Well, my good mate Carlos told me a, a couple of months ago, uh, he said queers don't drink beer. Yeah, which I disagree with. <laughs> and I was like, what, what's with that? Yeah. That's like saying, girls don't, what, like saying anyone doesn't drink beer. It's like saying Italians don't drink beer. Exactly, and I think, I think in a, if you probably looked at it on a graph of like, who are your beer drinkers? And you put all the, you know, we got this, this international world thing and we had it set in a big corporate office. No, they don't, 100%, they probably don't. The profit margin isn't great there. It's probably not the best marketed thing. The problem is, is that no one's gone, why? Hmm. Why don't they drink beer? Because beer is, like you said before, associated with the masculine. If we're gonna be feminine and leaning towards that sort of stuff because it's nicer and safer and better for the world, we drink the feminine drinks. Hmm. Why don't we fix the toxicity surrounded around beer? Because there is toxicity around it. 100% yeah. there is a toxicity around beer is this masculine mad mad thing. Yeah. Why? What makes you any more masculine because there's a certain ingredient in your beer? Like what? I'm, I'm sorry. Does it make your dick any bigger? I don't think so. Like you know, it, it just, it's just a, this preconceived conception. Why is beer manly? Why is beer manly? Mm. Why is beer manly? Yeah. It's not. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. We're putting bananas in it. Like, it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's no more manly than a gin and tonic or a vodka and soda. We're literally making them next to each other. They're, they're just objects. Objects don't have... A gender or a meaning <laughs> or a thing, but the world is obsessed with putting gender and binary on stuff, and it doesn't need to be because it doesn't affect anything, whether you wear a dress or a T-shirt or a short. Like, it doesn't matter. It's keeping you warm. And of course, this is this is nothing compared to your experiences. But but yeah. my little glimpse is that I I don't eat meat. And right, I've, yeah. I haven't eaten meat since I was four years old. Never fancied it. And yeah. and often I'll I'll be out for dinner with my girlfriend, and she'll order a steak, yeah. and I'll order a risotto, yeah. and the steak gets put in front of me because oh, because you're the man. And yes, see that same that same preconceived conception, and it's not why is that, that? waiter didn't go. Oh, it, it wouldn't have even been a conscious thought no. that he went. Oh, the steak's for him because he's a man and she's a woman, so she's going to eat the veggie. It's just this weird thing that we're all programmed with since birth, since childhood, that you have a mum and a dad, and the dad has this thing, the white picket fence, and this, you know. It, and I think the world is trying to break it. The mm. world is trying to shatter those illusions, because they are just illusions. They're, they're the ones, they're the things, that, conspiracy theories. That's the thing who's put up there by, you know, these aliens in the world who run the world and they go, no, we want it this way because this is what's going to make us the most money and we're going to sell it this way. And I suppose marketing and advertising are a key part of it. 100%. And for these, I hear from a lot of women that say that they go to even a craft beer bar often mm. and they might have a server that will suggest a fruity beer. Yeah. Um, or a, a lower alcohol beer. Yeah. Wow. And, well, that's it. Give her it. the 8%. Give well, that, her the 8%. Well, <laughs> have the best night. <laughs> obviously, we know it, it is pure sexism. Yeah. But if, if you peel it back and try and think about where does that come from, well, maybe this is a bartender at a bar, and for the last 100, people, 100 women they've served, yeah. the women have specifically said, like beer. do you have a sour beer? I like something with yeah. lower alcohol. Maybe not. 
but it's maybe that preconception is from, and, and as we're talking about the rainbow mm. community, that actually maybe the reason there aren't great IPAs pouring in many gay bars is... There hasn't been a great IPA made for gay people. There needs to be the middle ground. There honestly 100% needs to be the middle ground. Mm. I used to drink vodka sodas. The beers that I drank were Coronas and Heinekens and light beers that were like at events. And I would drink beers on a summer day because it was refreshing. Like people, and, and everyone, and I think women do drink beer. Lots do, yeah. It's all contextual. Do you know what I mean? I think I started drinking more interesting beers and I didn't like them at first. The taste of hops used to make me be like, oh, it's too strong. You know, it was like mm. when you try coffee. Yep. I started having mochas. I drank mochas because it was chocolate and coffee. And then now I started drinking flat whites. And then if I'm really knackered, I'm going to have a long black. You know, you just slowly step into that world. And the same thing happened with craft beer. Oh, this is a bit more hoppy. Oh, this is hazy. There are some beers, the one we tried the other day in the tiny little short glass, tasting like Marmite to me. Do you know what I mean? That was the Braunschweiger Mum. The Braunschweiger. Very, very strong for me. Do you know Not what I mean? Into it. Oh, but, but 100%. Once we've done a few more Bruins, we'll do other things. I'll probably be able to down a hole. I'll love it, you know. But it, it is, it's, it's developing your palate. It's developing your taste, and it's developing things like that. that I think we don't actually just give opportunity for. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So making a beer that is marketed to queer people, I 100% get big man in the office that the market might be risky and it might not sell as much as you selling the generic straight beer to all those guys with their lumberjack shirts on. Mm. Or you could try educate some people and create a whole new market that could then grow and then you're dominating it and then you're leading it. And I just, I just think people don't think outside the box enough anymore. I'm <laughs> too busy putting everyone in boxes and trying to label everything and trying to like, you know, define who we are in a way to fight that we're not actually forgetting to take the lid off the box sometimes and let the air in. What are my analogies today? <laughs> well, you'd mentioned earlier about companies and businesses being scared Mm. Uh, to, to do a thing that's promoting you know, diversity and, and getting it wrong. Yeah. And we saw a brilliant example of that a couple of years ago with Brewdog. Oh, yeah. So the brewery that everyone loves to hate. And actually there's been a lot of press coming out about them re recently about them being um, having toxic workplaces. Now it's oh. such a big company. Yeah. But anyway, they released a beer a couple of years ago. Well, they actually, it wasn't a different beer. It was Punk IPA. Yeah. So their core range IPA. And it was, the idea behind it was to bring attention to the gender pay gap. Right. And if you identified as a woman, you could buy this beer in all their bars for, I think it was 82 pence on the pound. Uh -huh. It was, it was the, the yeah, disparity of the gender pay yeah. gap. So female identifying people yeah. got the beer cheaper. And they also had it in cans and also profits from that beer went towards a load of f wonderful charities. Right. And someone had the inspired idea to rename it Pink IPA. Oh. And it was in a pink can rather than a blue can. Yeah. Same liquid inside. And it was the whole spin. And it fell flat on its face. 100% it should fall flat on its face. People like the, it's eviscerated so well them for it. It's so well intended. Yep. And that's, the thing. And that's why you ask questions and people. Yeah. Because everyone, it's like you said, everyone wants to be more diverse because they know it's the right thing to do. But you have to also believe and understand what you're doing. Like, mm. it's fine for a business to be like, oh, shit, uh, it's trendy to be gay now. Let's slap rainbows on stuff. <laughs> but if yeah. your culture doesn't reflect that, then don't, you know, like, stop selling a product that isn't your product. It's like when they have Bic pens, like Benz, and you have pens for women. Because <laughs> they're pink. pink. Yeah. It's like, what's the difference? Shampoos and, like, body washes. 
for men because it smells like fucking Lynx Africa. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> it's best aroma. It's exactly. And it's sort of this... <laughs> we, we have this weird thing that that's how things will be marketed. Is that, And yes, of course, there are there is... I, I, I try to find new words of feminine or masculine now, but, you know, the pinkies and the lighter colours and the softer tones that are sort of marketed towards women and then the mm. harder, the more masculine stuff. Like, I know a lot of straight boys who are soft as they come. Yeah. Flat as nice. 100%. It's like, it's like what? <laughs> I know a lot of, like, women who are, can beat the shit out of me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, there is, there's, that binary doesn't actually exist in real life. That only exists in marketing. It only exists in in making money and what we are being sold and what we are being told to do in us that doesn't come from us it does not come from us it comes mm. from tv it comes from the music it comes, it comes from everything that's being sold to us it was sold to your parents and then your parents sold it to you like that's how we're educated i think as well for me personally i spent my whole life fighting about it mattering and fighting against it or fighting to blend in with one or the other it does not matter no one knows what the and the sooner everyone realizes that, you'll all have a happier life. There is no, RuPaul said it really well to me once, and he said, and I only clicked realistically when I was, I was talking to RuPaul about this on the, on the show, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under, watch it on TV and on demand, um, about overcoming like just struggles and how I had so much fear and put so much pressure on myself for, for, to fail and, you know, and the fear of failing would stop me doing stuff. And he just said something to me in passing, he said, oh, it's the Wizard of Oz. Mm. And I went, yeah, totally, the, yeah, journey, the road. And I went, no, it's when I listened to him on something else the other day and he said, you know, you, the man behind the curtain. Putting his levers. It's just a man behind the curtain. Mm, and he was man. nothing special. It's just, we're all just putting on this big show and we're all just figuring it out as we go along. And my dad said to me when I was younger when I rang him about, how do I pay phone bills? How do, when do you grow up? Because you just figure it out as you go along. Mm. I think... It's easy for us to grab onto things like blue pens for girls, beer for boys, you know, or pink, 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 pen, pink pens for girls and blue pens for boys and, and beer for men and gin and tonks for girls. And that's, it's easy to grab onto because when you're trying to figure out the world, mm. you don't know what the fuck you do. Like where, so you follow things, you follow what things are trendy that you see other people doing. We're all sheep, you know, it's just, if you can start to realize that all of that stuff is made up. Mm. it's a coping mechanism because we're all trying to figure out what to do. Then I think you become much more freer to try the gin. If you want to try the gin and tonic, try the gin and tonic. If you want to try the beer, try the beer. If you want to use the pink pen or the blue pen, I think that's, that's when you really start to live life and understand what life is meant to be about. It's an experience. Talking of experiences, <laughs> let's talk about our beer. Well, first of all, I, I love oh, your story is. that it's um, your friend Ben mm. that took you by the hand and guided you on this flavor adventure in beer and yeah. Ben's a home brewer and he's into craft beer and because yeah. that's the same story as, as me and my friend Brent who's a um he's not a gay guy but he's a South African guy yeah and when he grew up in <laughs> no, sorry, I'm so sorry but that was the best line ever. I'm so sorry I should have laughed at that he's not a gay guy but he is South African like, <laughs> what does that mean I love well, it well that's his story that as, yeah. a, as a teenager growing up in South Africa um there wasn't good beer around yeah right and he moved to new zealand to fucking palmerston north of all places <laughs> poor guy and and his friends were drinking stuff like flame and disgusting heineken and right. hagen yeah. and all these horrible beers so he tried a few and he thought fuck it this isn't for me and he got into drinking you know bourbon and yeah. other interesting yeah. drinks 
and it wasn't until we became friends that I it, it was gonna matter from Yeasty Boys, mm. and it's a, it's an Earl Grey IPA, and it, or it might even have been Pot Kettle Black, or maybe both in the same session, yeah. and and he he tried this beer, and he just said, what what is this? Yeah, and I said, oh, it's it's a black IPA. It's a bit roasty, some coffee notes to it, and our friendship was was built around because. I'd always drank good beer because yeah. in I used to go to real ale pubs in England. So since yeah. I was a teenager, I was drinking you know stouts and barley wines and interesting flavors. Um, so yeah, you had the same journey with with Ben, teaching, yeah. well showing you and and pouring yeah. tasty beers for you. Yeah, just he he would try stuff and be like, "Have you tried this?" And he and 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 he speaks to me like like a best mate does and goes, "That you won't like it, but try it." So you won't like it, and he yeah. was right. I'd try it, but like, nah, I don't like that one. But he'd, try, he'd find me another one. Uh, we tried, it's like the other day when we were drinking together, we tried, one of those beers was juice. Yeah. One of those beers tasted like a tropical just juice bubbles with a f alcohol. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was gorgeous, but it was a beer. And I think so that's beautiful what- Beautiful kettle sours, yeah. really citrusy. And, and, and what we're making, this, the, the Heffelweizen, and it's, it's gonna taste like a banana milkshake. Mm. It's a beer. The process of making it is very much a beer, but, and, and and I don't want to not call it a beer, but it's, I think for me to try and translate it to people who sometimes when I've said, you know, I'm making this banana beer, da, 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 they go, oh, what, how's that gonna taste? If you said to someone, here's this banana cocktail. Yep. If you just, if I put it in a cocktail glass with the straw and you, I handed that to anyone at the bar, they'd drink it and go, oh my God, yum. The word beer the puts word off beer people puts with certain preconceptions. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and, and, and I purely think it's because of what we were just talking about before, that whole masculine dominated thing. And also is, in my you know, bit of an experience working mm. behind bars recently and pouring beers, I, I will see it from um, not gay people specifically, but from women. Mm. It's a thing I will regularly hear that a woman will come up to the bar and say, oh, have you got anything girly? All right. And I'll say, no, there's no such thing as a girl's beer. Try this. I will make a point to not pour them something that's very bitter or very yeah. roasty. Because yeah. what I think of is people that perhaps are new to beer or just don't, haven't had a beer they like. Mm. All they've experienced is Heineken, gross, or yeah. someone might have given them a really bitter IPA. Yeah. And that's a flavor that's an acquired flavor, bitter hops. Yep. Or they might have had a really roasty stout. But I think when people think also craft beer, they instantly think those really hoppy, like bittery, like tastes. And it's like, that's not been my experience in craft beer. Well, yeah, try like, this cucumber sour beer. Yeah, it's like, what? We had a peach one the other day, you know? It's, yeah, it's, it's beer that tastes like you're drinking yeah. a chocolate bounty bar. Yeah, and the alcohol content in craft beer is incredibly high. And as someone who works in nightlife entertainment, that's fantastic. <laughs> like, like, it is, it, and it's, it's like, not that we drink to get drunk, but it's like, it's, it's fun. It well, makes are, it fun. And there are also super delicious beers that are 2.1%. Yeah, exactly. So, you so got, you a nice alternative when yeah. you are on the night out, you can yeah, have something that's really light. That is more of a session beer. Or you can have something that's pretty major. Yeah, nothing major. <laughs> so our beer mm. that we're making together, the Forbidden Fruit. Forbidden Fruit. Is gonna be a banana milkshake Hefeweizen. Yeah. So we, uh, after trying quite a few different beer styles, we uh, we honed in on a beautiful traditional German Bavarian Hefeweizen style, 
And uh, I think I told you the story about banana Weizen in Germany, right? Yes, you did. Yeah. Um, and that's the story. Obviously, I've lived in Germany for a while, and in in a lot of bars, of course, no beer would have bananas or any adjunct in it because it, it breaks the law, the Reinheitsgebot, which is which is literally a law that if you have any ingredients in your beer that are not um, malt, water, hops, and yeast, yeah. then it can't be sold as beer. So you could sell it, but you'd have to call it, call it something, else. something else. And that's the, the, the law that stood since the 16th century in wow. Germany. Is that still a thing? Yep. Really? Yep. Yeah, wow. so beers are brewed in compliance with the Reinhardtsgebot. And you still see it on bottles of Beck's, I think, advertise it. Right. It's, I think it's 1544, maybe. And uh, so in, in German bars, though, you could have a schuss, a little shot of something in your drink. So the, one of the first times I ordered a Hefeweizen in after I moved there, uh, the the bartender asked if I'd like a banana Weizen. And of course I said yes without even finding out what yeah. it was. And he, he poured a, a slug, a shot of um, creamy banana syrup in there. Cool. And of course, Hefeweizen is quite banana-y anyway, just mm. with the esters of the yeast, which it, it's actually the same stuff. Bananas are very yeasty. Yeah. And I just love the idea that when bananas were introduced to Germany, probably a couple of hundred years ago, right. that there would have just been some bloke in Lederhosen in München <laughs> that would have been wolfing a banana for the first time and saying, mmm, das schmeckt wie Hefeweizen. <laughs> yes. Lecker. <laughs> it's true though. And I think like that's what was, um, and it's what's cool as well because like that story there is what you told me. But also like, and like we've gone, we sort of went down when we were deciding what to make. We wanted obviously to be influenced by both of us. And it was sort of like, I'd done this, I quite often have this sort of housewifey 1950s sort of diner aesthetic to my drag that I do. And banana in itself is just the queer puns right themselves. There's a few entendres to be had. There's a few entendres, but also like we started going down if we were to do another one and things like that. Cause we kept, you know, we, we had a full ramble on this chat, but you, with the idea of fruit. And, you know, in queer culture, like, that was something I used to be called as an insult. You know, you're a fruit. Oh, you know, yeah. Because you're gay, you're a fruit, you know. A bit fruity. A bit, a bit fruity, you know. Mm. And so it just, again, was another thing that we could apply to it that sort of, it, you know, was related to me and related to you. And, yeah, I just think we liked it. We, we tried one that was sort of similar, eh? What was the one we tried? We, we tried um, Sawmill's White Ale. Yeah, which right. Which is a gorgeous fresh Hefeweizen. Yeah. And... And yeah. it just, we couldn't get off of it, eh? Once we, we tried a lot of other beers, and it was just, we, we were sold on this idea of me and that 50s housewife look. Kept coming back to banana milkshakes. milkshakes. And then the straws. And it, again, it became what we really bonded over is the experience. The experience of drinking whatever this beer is. Well, having a milkshake beer, of course, it, hopefully we would do some more collaborations, mm. but it could lead to the, the most perverse thing of all, which is the lime milkshake yes beers. and someone the other day said to me how what the fuck is lime milkshake and why do you drink lime milkshakes in new zealand i love a lime milkshake just all new zealanders are perverts i guess so. and like putting citrus in the milkshakes 100%. it's weird you use citrus and milky i guess that's the thing but it's not lime is it it's not like it's just it's green i've never tried one i think it's a green you have to i should stop slagging it off and yeah, actually give one it. a go it's, it's, a, it's green flavored they're just like foam the foamy lollies. Yeah, I, I bananas the, are made out of the same stuff. I used stuff. to have the foam bananas, obviously. Yes, yeah, so foam I'm bananas, so excited and then you can get ones that are literally like um, little spacemen. 
Okay. Those foam spacemen. Yeah. It's made the, the, yeah. The green foam spacemen, that's what it tastes like. Okay. And they apparently taste like lime. You, you might talk me around into you making a lime milkshake there at some 100%. point. When we were having a chat about uh, drag queens and drinking beer, mm. you said something that's so obvious in retrospect that it's hard to swig a beer with a full face of makeup on. Yeah, you can't. So when, whenever you get a drink, whatever it is, you always ask for a straw. And then the new thing now is obviously straws are bad for the planet, killing the ocean, killing the turtles. So we get rid of the straws. Drag queens mm. went into full panic. So now we all have metal straws in our handbags. Yeah. That we like put in our drinks at the clubs and things like that. Um, and then paper straws have been introduced now and you know, have made it all a lot easier. Um, Classic. It's a bit yeah, like in the olden days just... when, when people just used to carry their own knife around with them. How does and that, that was their yeah. cutlery. They just ate their dinner with their knife. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of a, you know, <laughs> everything's going around in circles. But um, yeah, it is a thing. And it's something that yeah, we had to think about how we market it, how you make that experience easy if it's going to be this new thing for queer people or for drag queens especially to try it needs to be easy for them to try it yeah. needs to have a straw it needs to be a flavor that is gonna you know be an introductory level to this craft beer side of things you know it's it's gonna be a bit sweet it's gonna have to you know we're not instantly being like hey fuck the mold try this bitter fucking dark stormy thing you know but we are saying try this sweet beer which tastes like bananas. It's got a straw. It's in a cute package. Do you know what I mean? It, it leans into our aesthetic, but it adds the craft beer aesthetic. You know, it's all about, it's baby steps. Well, it's going to be remarkable. It's something that people mm. will remark upon. Have you tried this beer? It tastes like a milkshake. Yeah. You drink it with a straw. Yeah. It's made by that awesome woman off Drag Race, <laughs> which for some people, that'll be a bit of a thing, that, right? Well, yeah, that'll be a thing. And yeah, you've thing. got your fans. My fans, lot of fans will be able to try something new. Yeah. And your fans, you might not be necessarily trying a new thing in that they're trying a new beer. But I think it will be a, a new thing for a lot of, like, uh, you'll um, know with your subscribers and stuff, is there anything like this that's gone out? There are milkshake IPAs. Mm. Um, there must be banana milkshake Hefeweizen. It's yeah. so such an obvious idea. Yeah. I'm not aware of anyone having made one in New Zealand. I've, I've never drank one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just with that, that good history of banana Weizen in German yeah. pubs. Yeah. Surely they do exist, but it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be a first for New Zealand, uh, yeah. New Zealand drinkers, yeah. and it will definitely be the first beer that people have had that's been brewed by a drag queen. And because those people who will just try it for it just being a beer, will look at the can and go, huh, what's that about? And maybe they'll look at my Instagram and maybe mm. they'll go, oh, she's a very pretty lady, she's very tall. You know, yeah. and they might just learn something, you know, and that's cute. That's what cool. she's up to. Yeah, I just think, um, yeah, we're doing a good thing. We're doing a good thing. <laughs> well, making a beer. We love beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get back down to the brewery and actually clear out the mash tun, which is the, the real labour. Yes. <laughs> it's been the, the easy part so far. We're just chucking the sacks We've in. We've been sacks in. And that's the cleaning, which is the yeah. majority of what brewing is. For you to learn about on your first brew day. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the launch party is going to be fun. We are going to have the biggest banana party ever. We're going to have it at Beer Chirk at the... Um, at the Fridge and Flagon. At the Fridge and yeah. Flagon. And there's going to be dancers. There's going to be entertainment. There's going to be electroshock and a drag queen performance. And of course, our beer, Forbidden Fruit. Um, and I think we're going to have food. There's going to be a food truck there. Yeah, there's going to be a burger truck there. There's going to be a burger truck. We'll it's be... probably speak to someone like Pie Piper and get some like American banana cream pie type thing. Oh yum, yes. Or splits maybe. We'll have music. And yeah, I just think it's going to be uh, a really cool thing. It's going to be a banana good time. Yeah, banana good time. When are we having it? Have we decided yet? 
Probably 30th of July, Yeah, Friday night. But we'll get back to you all and we'll make sure you all know what's happening because it will be, um, it'll be huge. Yeah. All the celebs are going to be there. <laughs> Big names. Yeah. Media outlets. Going to be major. <laughs> well, cheers for the chat. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to, um, to continue this conversation with you and uh, I look forward to many more. Yeah. Let's uh, get back down to the brewery. Let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs>